The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. I want to talk about open doors, and I just wonder that in your life, if there are any doors to something that is not yet happening in your life, or you need to happen, or you think needs to happen in your life, uh, but that door is closed, uh, locked, not open to you in any, in any way, shape, or form. And, and I just wonder if you've thought, and maybe some of you have, but if you've thought that the way to have that door actually open in your life is by prayer. It's simply, simply by prayer. Maybe it's a, a door that you need open to a restored relationship. And you're just saying, like, it's not in a good place. I need it to be in a good place. The only way this is going to happen is if a door opens for that to happen. Or maybe it's um, a financial change. It's pressure you're under or a job that uh, needs to happen for you. And, and you're waiting for a door to open. And it's, it's not open yet. Uh, maybe it has to do with um, a physical healing or a mental or emotional healing of some kind. You're waiting. Again, you're waiting. That's only going to happen if a door opens, because it, as I look at the circumstances currently, it's, it's not going to happen. And I think we all need to be reminded, and, and I think this came up just even a week or so ago, that it is God's intention for you that you would have good things from him. That he would give you awesome things, that, that blessing would flow in your life. That is God's intention. But we often stand outside the door on the other side of some of those things, uh, waiting for it to happen. And, and, and often we're standing there and, and we're, not, we're not knocking on the door. We're not trying the handle. We're not making any effort at all to have God open that door and provide the very thing that we need. And so we fail to receive what God has for us simply, simply because we don't ask that we've resigned ourselves to what is we've resigned ourselves even to what will be without even talking to him in advance about it you see there are a struggle we're having in all of this with god's will understanding what i should have and what i shouldn't and in essence everything on this side of the door is what we would call God's revealed will. It's what we see, it's what we experience, it's what we know factually to be true. God's revealed will is on this side of the door. But on the other side of the door, beyond what I can see, is God's concealed will. And I don't know exactly what God has for me tomorrow. I don't know what God has for me an hour from now. And yet it might be something awesome and great that he's just waiting in order to build my faith and build endurance and show his power and demonstrate his glory. He's just waiting for me to ask. He just wants me to knock on the door. We sometimes struggle with this concealed will of God and far from keeping us from asking for it. I I don't know what's going to happen and I I don't want to ask. But far from keeping us from asking, God's concealed will should actually compel us to ask. I don't know what's over there, but I bet it's amazing because God's on the other side of the door ready to pour it out. And he only wants good things for me. We should be compelled to pray more intently, more passionately. I don't know what's over there. So I'm going to ask him. Because I know It's going to be something good. So when you pray, when you pray, just believe this. This is what we're going after this morning. Believe that God will open doors. Believe that God will open doors. That's what we're going to see. Acts chapter 12 is where we are today. Taking a little break from the gospel of Luke for a Sunday. uh, But understand that Luke wrote Acts anyway. We're not straying too far from the path. Um, Acts chapter 12 
And we're going to notice, notice just in the first four verses, we'll do this as we go through, that um, in the first four verses, just this, we need to look past what we can see. And this is often the big hindrance. About that time, this is Acts 12, first four verses. About that time, Herod, king, uh, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Now, these, first, these verses tell us that we need to look past what we uh, can see. There are so many obstacles uh, to us receiving the things that God wants for us to keep us from God's highest and best. And as you look at this account, you realize that Herod himself is probably among the more formidable obstacles that the church had faced uh, in their short history. I mean, Herod had all the power. He had uh, killed James. This is the brother of John, one of the sons of Zebedee, one of the apostles. And in fact, the only apostolic uh, martyrdom that we see in the scriptures themselves. So he killed James. He had previously thrown Peter in prison. This is the second time. You start to think of other obstacles. There are four squads of soldiers guarding Peter because he had escaped previously. That, that is 16 soldiers. Maybe we even just say there are four shifts of four soldiers each, always rotating in their guarding of Peter. That's, a, that's another pretty great obstacle. And we're going to see later on in the text that there's, he's in a prison. And so there's an iron gate that's also, listen, all of these obstacles, King Herod with all the power, the soldiers, he's shackled, he's behind an iron gate. Uh, there's so much between him and, and the good thing that God wants for him. The fact that he might be released. That's all things that they could see. It's all part of God's revealed will. It's, it's what was happening in God's sovereign plan. But the door was right there. Locked. And the question is, would Peter, would the church ask for something to happen that was miraculous and beyond the norm? What they could see were the obstacles, but this is the moment of decision. Would they ask for God to do something miraculous? And the reality is that God's concealed will on the other side of the door, they don't know what God's concealed will is. They don't know if it's A, God would hear their prayer and release Peter. He would get out in some miraculous way and go on to continue on his ministry. They don't know if that's the answer. Or it could be, that he doesn't get out and, and Peter is martyred like James just had been. And, 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 and someone else has to take leadership for the church. And, 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 and God provides in a whole different way. And his power is seen. They don't know what's on the other side. But we don't resign ourselves to just what will be or what is. Maybe God would show his power in a whole different way. We don't want to resign ourselves to what's just going to happen. We want to pray and ask God, listen, to bust through all of the obstacles. That's what we want to ask him to do. I mean, have you, have you heard of this book? It's almost 20 years old now. Have you heard of this book before? Don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. How many people have heard of that book before? You've heard of that book? Um, a pretty famous uh, book and just kind of like a pop, almost like a pop psychology, how to live your life uh, kind of book. And I'm sure it's helpful in many ways. Um, but, uh, but I want to say this, uh, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. I'm sorry, Mr. Carlson, but the reality is it's not all small stuff. I mean, I know some of the things that you're facing as individuals and as families. I know the weightiness of burdens that you've been asked to carry. And it's very clear to me that there are many things that we face in life that are not small things, that they're big things. And, and I want to agree on the one hand that we shouldn't sweat the small stuff, but it's not all small stuff. And as believers, here's what we ought to say. All right. Here's the better mantra for us. Uh, don't sweat the small stuff, but don't sweat the big stuff either. Because to God... To God, it's all small stuff. To God, it's all small stuff. And so whatever it is in our life, big or small, we want to be taking it to him, not seeing the obstacles, 
but trusting God that he can overcome all of these things. To look past what we can see, whatever it might be. And the reason why I can say all of this with such confidence is because here's the way to get that done. Our eye is not fixed on the obstacle, the thing that's in the way of the answer to prayer, the thing that we believe we need. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, we're encouraged by the author there to look to Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, listen, the joy that was set before him, the joy of seeing you come to faith in Christ, the joy of fulfilling the mission the Father had given to him, the joy of the glory that would come as a result of the fulfillment of the mission. That's all that was before him. Who for the joy that was set before him, here's the obstacle, what did he endure? He endured the cross. That was his obstacle. He needed to give his life. He needed to be crucified. Uh, Shame, and, and our shame and our guilt heaped upon him. That's a pretty big obstacle, would you agree? That needed to happen, and he needed to get past that obstacle that was in his own life. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He finished his mission. We have to look past what we can see. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And, and then this, fall, fall on your face before God. Now this has to be, I think, in this passage of verse 5, my favorite verse uh, in the whole passage. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. You know, quite apart from any answer, any actual answer to prayer, the most remarkable thing about all of this is just that the church was praying. I mean, if we gather as a church this way, we're going to gather as a church this Wednesday. And, 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 and the most awesome part isn't that God would answer our prayers in any specific way. That'll be great if it happens. But the most awesome part is that the church will be gathered together for prayer. That's the best part of all of this is that they believed God. It's, it's what it says about who God is and what it says about who the church is. Whether, whether he answers in a certain way doesn't matter. Now, when I say this, of course, I'm talking here about falling on our face before God. When I say this, I'm really less concerned about the actual posture of prayer and more concerned with the heart attitude posture and the place where we are and the setting that we set up for prayer is so it can be so important and so helpful to us Uh, when we teach our children to close their eyes and bow their heads we're not saying that there's anything special about closing your eyes and 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 bowing your heads or folding your hands together but what we are saying is that we want to take away all the distractions we want to remove all of the things that might uh, take us away from prayer When we say to people we want to get down on our knees, it's not that there's anything special or magical about getting down on our knees that somehow the prayer on our knees evokes uh, God's attention uh, more than if we're not. But what we are saying about all of these things is that we're dedicating the time and place, that we're removing all of the distractions, that we're getting our focus exclusively on this, that we're not, we're not, and here's the plague of our generation, we're not multitasking during prayer. We're serious about this. And we're demonstrating a certain amount of humility that when I pray, there's not going to be anything else happening. That I'm seeking God in a serious, focused, determined way. I'm falling on my face before God. And I say all of this because the text tells us that they were praying, see the word? Earnestly. Earnestly. We don't, we don't really use that word anymore, do we? It was the last time you used earnestly in a sentence with someone. It's not a very common word. It involves a degree of intensity. It, it is to pray uh, perseveringly. It's literally, this is what it means. It, it literally means to, to stretch, to stretch yourself or to strain, to, to, to really put an effort into trying to reach something. That's what this word earnestly means. And I would just ask you, do you pray like that? Do you, do you pray as if you're 
you're, you're straining to reach something that you don't yet have. I saw the quote this week, and it's a bit of a condemnation on the church, but Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher from the 19th century, said this, the church nowadays is for the most part too strong, too wise, too self-dependent to do much. You see, if you're all of those things, then you're not a very prayerful church or a prayerful person. I mean, you can make this very individual, in fact. Believers nowadays are, for the most part, too strong, too wise, too self-dependent to do much. Because we believe firmly in the power of prayer. We believe that if we don't pray, nothing else matters. That's what we believe. We need the power of God's Holy Spirit in the midst of everything that we're doing so that it's actually something worth doing. And seeing God work in an awesome way. That's the straining. That's the reaching for. That's the the, the demonstration of, of really how desperate we are for God to show up and do something awesome and amazing. And I fear we don't strain for much. We don't stretch ourselves. We don't reach for great things. We're content instead with what is. We lack this earnestness. But God wants us to be like these early followers that we're reading about here in Acts 12. They were facing down the death of their leader. They had already seen one of their leaders die. This is a whole different set of circumstances than the kinds of things that we face here. And you've heard the expression that desperate times call for desperate measures and and for us i would just say that that desperate times call for desperate prayer but here's the thing that we often think that our situation is not desperate enough we think that our times are not perilous enough but not one of us in this room is guaranteed another minute on the earth that it's desperate for all of us Every minute of every day. And if we don't have inside of us this urgency for the mission of Jesus Christ. Then we don't understand the mission of Jesus Christ. If people are perishing without him, there's not a second to lose. That every moment of every day is desperate. And earnest prayer needs to be offered. Earnest prayer was offered here for Peter was made to God by the church. No one else is going to do it. We have to. And are you doing that? Are you engaged in that kind of earnest prayer as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a member of this church? There are so many ways that you can do that. I'm going to give you some suggestions. We're going to go back into worship in a moment. But, you know, every weekend we we send out this email called Weekend Warriors. And uh, some of you get it. And, and delete it before looking at it. And uh, a lot of you don't get it. And you ought to get it. And just pray. For, here's what it is. It's Friday. It comes into your inbox. And all it does is it gives you all the prayer requests related to everything that's going to happen in our weekend services. The different ministries that are going on here. Everything that happens out in the lobby. The kids ministry. The parking. You pray for our worship team and the songs. You pray about the message and, and God providing uh, his presence here so that we can see something awesome happening. Would you, would you pray through the weekend warriors? Would you subscribe to that and lift up what happens here before the Lord? And then, so that's in kind of an individual thing or you could do that with your family. But then there's a group, a very faithful group of four, five, six people that show up here at 8 a.m. every Sunday morning and they pray through the entire building. I love them. They, they are seriously some of the... Um, black op troops of our of our church because you don't know what they're doing and they're confronting the evil that's that's in this world and they're going before the lord to to plead that god would show up and do something awesome in this place and i love that team of people but you know it's only four five or six people and i wonder why it isn't a seven eight nine ten people why it isn't a dozen people or 20 people every week that are just pouring over this building at 8 a.m on a sunday morning and and by the way September 12th, we put it before the Lord. We're going to start a Saturday night service. We need people to show up on Saturday and do that. 
And I wonder who will step into the gap and do that. Every, every week in our Connect folders that we've just passed uh, through the rows, um, last week 138 prayer requests came in. And there's a, there's a group of people that pray for those, and those requests are sent out. And maybe you'd want to be a part of that. Or maybe, again, you're already part of it and getting the emails but not looking at them. And we need to step up and pray more desperate uh, prayers. This Wednesday night, family prayer. Don't come just for the ice cream. Come for the prayer. The ice cream's a bonus. And to bring your families and teach your children and pass it on to them that prayer is important and essential. And we ought to be praying. And then uh, you got these prayer cards that, uh, that, that uh, Roger showed us. And you need to take these and pray through these uh, this week and offer these prayers uh, before the Lord. Earnest prayer uh, made by the church. And uh, we will ask... We will ask the Lord if we believe that God is worthy of asking and powerful enough uh, to answer. Do you believe that? Believe that, church? Well, let's, uh, let's worship. Team's going to come and, and going to get us focused on a God who is powerful enough to answer these prayers for us. Let's, uh, let's sing together and you can go ahead and stand. Glory speaks in every language across the sky to every nation. You are beauty unimagined. This is who you are. You are the Lord of my salvation. my way and through this dark night you will lead me sing a church this is who you are lifted up lifted up endless praises to our God full of grace full of love and he's reigning over us and I know you are faithful
go ahead and take your seats. Well, when you pray, believe God will open uh, doors. Uh, expect God to answer. Expect him to answer. Take a look what happens next. This is uh, verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. The chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Now, when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. As I said already, this isn't Peter's first prison break. This is season two. Chapter 5, an earthquake had opened the doors and escaped. He had already escaped Herod's grasp. Thus, uh, his attention to all these extra soldiers, uh, those two uh, were not uh, obstacles to God at all. A short time later, of course, Acts chapter 7, a short time um, after James was, uh, or after the first prison break, uh, Peter had, or Stephen, excuse me, had been martyred, and James uh, shortly after. And the fact of the matter is, if, if it's not already clear to us, there may be times when God answers our prayer by rescuing us from the grave, from death, or God may answer by giving us grace uh, in death. Whether he saves you out of the situation as, Peter, as he did Peter, or he strengthens you to face death and trials with courage, as he did James and Stephen, God answers and gives grace sufficient for the moment. Amen? He gives us grace sufficient in the moment. And we have to be ready to receive from the Lord's hand whatever the Lord gives to us, whatever he sends our way, whatever he chooses for our life. He works, and I leave the results in his hands. But what is guaranteed in this, and this is what the point is, that we should expect God to answer. What is guaranteed every time is that God answers. Expect that. Pray to Him, expecting an answer. We don't know what's on the other side of the door, but knock on the door and expect this. God will open the door. He will. We expect Him to answer. And in that, don't always just resign yourself to just kind of the status quo and what, yeah, God's going to answer, but it's probably going to be a no. God's going to answer and it's not going to be exactly what I asked for. The scriptures are clear. You have not because you ask not. And so ask. Ask him. And don't doubt the miraculous. Don't doubt the power of God. And you would think that these believers in the first century, you would think that they above all, because of all of the things they had already seen, some pretty, by, by chapter 12 of Acts, they'd already seen some pretty awesome, God had to do this, there's no other way this could have happened. They've seen all kinds of things like this. And yet, for our benefit probably, they're still having this little bit, these little twinges of doubt, and I'm not sure that this is real all that's been said about this earnest prayer, we see in, in verses 12 through 17, they're still having trouble believing. When, they, when he realized this, this is Peter, when he realized this now, hey, I'm out on the street. I just got out of jail. I got past all the guards and all the chains and all the doors, and I'm now out on the street. He thought the whole thing was a vision or a dream. Even he's doubting. I just had a vision of getting out of jail. I had a vision that, that, an, that an angel had to punch me to wake me up and tell me to get dressed. It's, it's all just a vision. Uh, then he finds out. He realized this. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where, there, 
where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. What happens next is the reason why no parents call their daughters Rhoda. Okay? So Rhoda comes to the door, recognizing Peter's voice. She knows it's Peter. She knows they're praying for Peter to be released. She's, she's got all of this. She recognized Peter's voice. In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter's standing at the gate. And they said to her, the people who are praying for him to be released, those people say, when she says Peter's at the door, they say, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. Because that's way more believable. And by the way, if Peter's angel were at the door, I'd still be leaving my place to go and let him in. True or false? I'm not letting that guy in. You're Peter's angel? How cool. Come in. Would you like tea? Like, I mean, I would be spending time with him. So I don't know. They're doubting. There's something going on here. Peter kept knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with an end, shush, shush, shush. You already left me outside longer than I just escaped from prison. Okay, that's what's going on here. Shh. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. And don't, we don't even get to know where that place was. He looked witness protection. Okay, he's like, he's, he's squirreled away somewhere. I don't doubt the miraculous. Why do we have such a hard time believing the miraculous? They all had trouble believing the miraculous. They had seen so much happen, and they were actually praying for it to happen. And when the answer comes, they doubt it. We have trouble believing for sure. And I want to be clear here that what, what we're not saying, what this church is not advocating, what the Bible is not teaching, is this whole notion that if I have enough faith, then God will answer my prayer according to my will. And there are churches and systems of belief that teach that if only I have enough faith, I can always be healed of whatever it is. I can always receive whatever I want. And we're not teaching that, and this is not taught here at all. But we are praying that faith will open doors no matter what the answer is. Why do we have such a hard time believing? Why is this such a struggle for us? Why do we struggle to exercise this kind of faith? Well, let's start with this. Number one, I'll give you three reasons. Number one is because we've never seen miraculous things and so we doubt that they can happen. Or at least we think we've never seen miraculous things. Or, or secondly, we're so rationalistic. That, and this is the defining characteristic of, of Western Christianity and, and Western society as a whole. That we're so rationalistic that if it doesn't fit into a category, if it's not something that I can prove, then we don't believe it. It doesn't make sense to us. Or here's a third reason why we don't pray this way. We've... Um, we've been disappointed by how God has answered us in the past. So we've just, we've just given up and we resign ourselves. And so we don't, we don't believe the miraculous can happen. We, we doubt it. And you can tag on this verse. James uh, 1.6 says uh, very simply, um, uh, let him ask in faith. This is in the context of asking for wisdom. Let, let him ask in faith uh, with no doubting. And we could apply that here. We can apply that to every situation. Let him ask in faith, not doubting. Let her ask in faith, not doubting. And where your faith is weak, where you say, like, like I just don't think I can believe, then let the first prayer request be this. Give me more faith. Let that be your first prayer request. Mark chapter 9, this dad comes to Jesus and he's got a son who has a demon and, and, and he's brokenhearted about it. And he goes to Jesus and he's wondering about the healing. And, and Jesus says to him, if you believe, if you believe. And the man says to him, an awesome prayer. I believe. What does he say? Help my unbelief. 
And if you're having trouble believing, let that be your first prayer. Let that be the first words that are coming out of your mouth. God, I know there's a door. I know there's awesome things on the other side of the door. I want to believe that those things could be for me. But I just lack faith. I believe. But help my unbelief. Give me more faith. Now we're going to go right now into more prayer. I'm going to invite two of our elders to come up here right now. Uh, Clem and, and John are going to come up and they're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to join your voice with them. And I've asked them to pray over a couple of uh, key areas of uh, ministry, things that are of interest in our church, some of them more personal and um, and some of them more corporate about our vision and our ministry together. And all I'm going to ask from you is that you would join your voice and your heart with theirs. That you would say amen at the appropriate places. That you would agree with what they're praying. If it's helpful to you and you want to get on your knees right now or you want to stand for prayer, then you do that as they uh, lead us out. Let's pray together. Father, indeed, that needs to be the way that we start today. That you would give us more faith. We believe, Lord. We believe. But we need you to help our unbelief. Lord, we're amazed day by day when we see how you are leading your church the vision that you continuously give to the elders for ministry and for mission. Your desire is that we would make disciples first and foremost. And Lord, we know that that means that people need to be saved first. And you're the one who does that. We can draw them, we can invite them, we can minister to them, but Lord, you are the one who does the saving. So we ask that you would do that today, Lord. We know there's people here today, Lord, it always happens that some come by invitation or uh, just out of curiosity for whatever reason, they're here. And Lord, you know by your Spirit who they are and where they are. So we ask, Lord, that you would do that today. Save someone to the uttermost today. And Lord, that you would turn all of us upward. That you would truly make this a vertical church, Lord. We thank you for worship. We thank you for the way that you are working in our hearts and allowing us to have a glimpse of heaven every Sunday when we can look up and offer to you our humble praise. But Lord, we know you desire more. So we ask that you would do that in each of our hearts. And Lord, just as you have built this body here, we know that your desire, as we sense it, is that we would have a place, that we would have a, a, a permanent presence in this town that would involve finding land or perhaps an existing building. Lord, whatever it might be, we ask, Lord, that you would move and show us what we can't see at this time. Lord, we ask for the financial health for this church and this fellowship here, knowing that if you are calling us to, to buy land or to build, Lord, we know it's going to cost money. But, Lord, it's all yours anyway. So we ask that you will prosper us according to your will. We ask for each and every ministry that you have led us to develop here in this body of believers. Lord, it's amazing to see how many volunteers have come forward. It's, it's unnatural what is happening here. Of course it is. Because you are the supernatural one. And Lord, just as we see impact in hearts here, 
Lord, we ask for impact in this city. There's been a cry on many hearts for years, Lord, that this would become the city of God. Lord, we know that's not up to men. That's up to you. So move in hearts right across this city, Lord. So that you can get the glory for your name that is due you. And Lord, we are involved so much now with Cameroon and the way that you are working there. And you're opening doors, Lord. You've already opened the doors to two churches. And we don't know what your hidden will is yet there. But we do know, Lord, that you are saving people and drawing them to yourself. So, Lord, involve every one of us from the depths of our heart in what you're doing there. The same with Scotland. Lord, we see a a spiritual wasteland in that country. And yet you've turned on the lights. So keep our hand to the plow, Lord, in all of these areas. That we can pray for these people. That we can support them. We thank you for the PRC that you started right from this fellowship here, Lord. We thank you for the campaign that's going on right now. We know, Lord, that your will is that funds be raised so that this work can go forward. So, Lord, speak to our hearts today about our role in it. Lord, thank you that your intention is blessing. Thank you that you have amazing things for us to see and for us to do. Draw each of us ever upward and get the glory. Our Father and our God, your word says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen that if my people call by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn away from their sins, then you will hear them from heaven, and you will answer their prayer, you will forgive their sins, and then you will heal their land. Father, Lord God, we are calling on you for healing at this time. Father, Lord God, there are many of our members of our families that are seeking healing at this time, especially uh, physical healing. Some have gone through surgeries, some are just waiting for, for such. Father, Lord God, I pray that you will provide healing for your people. Father, Lord God, I'm asking that you, you said in your words that by your stripes we are healed. Father, we are asking that you visit your people and you will heal us. Whatever the cause may be, Father, we ask with expectation, with faith, that you will please come and heal us. If that healing is in our marriages, Father Lord God, we are actually asking that you will heal marriages that are on the, on the brink of collapse because we know the implication of that. So Father, we are trusting you that you will bring back people who once were together but now drifted apart, that you will bring them back to your fold that you will call them back to yourself, that they will honor and obey the vow that they have made before you so that they can build up the church of God even by being together and being there for their children and even for their families. Lord God, I'm asking again that you will come and do a new thing in our midst in Isaiah 43, 19. You said that I'm doing a new thing and it will, spring, it will spring forth. Father, Lord God, we are asking you to come and do a new thing in our midst. We are expecting a new thing in this body, in our families. There are so many who are looking for work at this time, looking for a job. We just learned about the fact that there is no door that can be opened except you go before and you open the door. Just like you did the case of Peter by opening the gates 
But then there are times that there are doors that women need to open. Just like Rhoda had to open the door for Peter. So Lord God, within the same situation, we can see you move. And we can see that you call us to move. And so Lord God, I pray for those who are looking for a job at this time. That you will go ahead and open doors for them. But Lord God, I pray that they too will step up and go and open the doors that you have put in front of them by doing what they need to do and hoping and just listening to you. Lord God, I pray uh, for so many other needs in this body. We pray also for our people in Nepal. We have wit- listened and witnessed what happened in the last little while, even just yesterday. Lord God, we are calling on you to come and spare the lives of people in Nepal especially members of the body of Christ. We pray, Lord God, that for their sake, you will stem the tide. You will heal the land. You will provide for your people in Nepal. And pray, Lord God, that you will help us to be your hands and your feet, even as we minister to the needs of people in Nepal, so that we can just be there for them to honor you. Father, Lord God, again, as we have prayed, we are trusting you for financial blessings. We are asking, Lord God, that you please visit your people. Provide for us your abundance. Open the doors. Open heavens so that we can be blessed, so that we can do what you have called us to do here. In the city of Berry, but even across the globe, in different parts of the world where we cannot go, but our money can go there. Father, Lord God, We thank you because we know that it's only when we ask and seek and knock as you have commanded us, that is when we can receive. So, Father, Lord God, help us to expect you to do a great thing in our midst. Help us to expect the miraculous. Father, may this time be a turning point in our life. May this time be a defining moment for our church as we seek you earnestly, calling on you, to heal our land, to forgive our sins, and to do the miraculous in our midst. Father, Lord God, may we sense your presence every time, above and below us, before and behind us. Lord, may we feel you all around us. Father, Lord God, let us know that not in a moment will you forsake us. Give us that strength to believe in you. That you and you alone will do only that which you can do. So that the glory and the honor and the adoration can be yours. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen. Why don't we stand as we continue our time together? Sing this out as our prayer. As I rise, strength of God, go before, lifts me up, and as I wake, eyes of God, look upon, be my sight.
Take your seats. So when you pray, believe that God will open doors. Believe that God will open doors. That's what God has in front of us. What's available to us. Look past what you can see. Fall on your face before the Lord. Expect him to answer. Don't doubt the miraculous. And then see God at work. Beyond the miracle itself, in fact, see God at work. You see, we could, we could end the story right here and just go, it's phenomenal. There, there was a crisis and people prayed and God answered. It was a, mur- a miracle. It was awesome in every way. We, we could totally look at it that way and just put a period at the end of the sentence. But God continues to work. This is the part that we often miss, is that there's always something bigger and as awesome as it is to to look at the Peter part of the story and go, look at that. He got out of prison. It was amazing. Something, listen, something even bigger happens as a result. Verse 18. Now, I love, I love how the scriptures sometimes win the, win the prize for understatement. Verse 18, when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had happened to Peter. No little disturbance. 
And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Here's hoping Peter led them to Jesus. Uh, Before that, uh, then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Are we in a new story here? No, we're not. They came to him with one accord and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because of their country. Their country depended on the king's country for food. You, you now have this global thing going on. And it all relates to what happened in that prayer meeting. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat on the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. If anyone ever says to you, the voice of a God and not of man, be sure, be sure to deflect it immediately. It's not me. But Herod does not do this. This chapter starts out with Herod having all the power and exercising it over the church in a ruthless way. Even what he did to his own centuries is reprehensible and evil in every respect. The people were shouting the voice of a God and not a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down. Because he did not give God the glory. And I love this. He was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Now please understand. It does not say that he breathed his last. And then in death was eaten by worms. It says. He was eaten by worms. And then died. Amen. But the word of the Lord, now now check this out. So you can see there's something more going on here. That God is more powerful, that it's bigger than the Peter story. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Nothing stops the word of God. Nothing stops the word of God. God is always at work through his word. And Barnabas and Saul... This isn't just like some random information. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. And when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark, they're still on the mission. Nothing stops the word of God. Nothing stops the mission of Jesus Christ in this world. God, God is at work. And the mission continues. The word continues because God is more powerful than the world's most powerful. And if you want to see God open doors in your life, then pray. If you want to see God open doors in the lives of people that you love and people that are around you, then pray. If you want to see God open doors for this church, as, as our elders have already prayed for us, some things that we would look at and go, those are obstacles. We can't do that. It's beyond our reach. Let's strain for it. Let's pray earnestly. Let's pray that God would open doors. If we believe that God wants to open doors in this city and beyond this city to the countries where we have partnerships, if we want to see awesome things happen, if we want to see the power of God on display, if we want to see God at work, then we pray. It comes down to that. We pray with gratitude for all that he's already done so much, for what he's currently doing and what's behind the door, the concealed will of God that we're still waiting for. We pray for all of that and we pray for it with gratitude. Even praying for the things that haven't happened already, we pray with gratitude, knowing that whatever it is, God's going to do an awesome thing. Thank you, God, for the things you haven't done yet that we're praying for. And so that's what we want to do. We're so confident in what he's going to do. We're going to thank him for it. And we're going to go into a time right now. And I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable about this at all. And this is a very different context for prayer. I get that. It's not like an intimate little prayer group where the people that really want to be there are there. Maybe you're here today going, this is a little uncomfortable for me. And we don't want anybody to feel that. But we are going to go into a time of group prayer right now. Where we're going to encourage you to get into groups of four, five, six people right in the neighborhood where you are right now. You can turn chairs. Nothing's screwed to the floor here. And or you can stand up for prayer. You can move around a little bit. But we don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. So if that is not your thing, then you can just stay right where you are. You can join a group and not pray. I'm sure that in every group in this room, there's going to be one or two people who are going to feel comfortable praying aloud on behalf of the group. That's all I'm asking for. You can stand with a group, sit with a group, and just hear someone else pray. Or you can stay right where you are in your seat and pray on your own or pray with your spouse or with somebody who's come with you. Just whatever you feel comfortable with. We're not compelling anybody to do anything. 
everybody understand me? Just nod your head if you get it. I'm not compelling anybody to do anything. So I'm going to allow you to go to prayer right now. Just get into those groups and pray. These are prayers of thanksgiving for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. So you go ahead and get into groups right now without any further hesitation. And then uh, Jody Greenstreet's going to come up here and she's going to pray to close this time. And then we'll sing and be done for the morning. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.